0: I hit the highway like a bat out of hell Spend them times in this El Camino Real well, I'm on the road Riding bulls can make you A two-bondus ride on And you can't change If you could Though sometimes you realize that you should But you roll on jamming you not you a bad case of gone. hello everybody welcome to episode number 13 of the nfp podcast presented by 3d entertainment the nfp podcast is brought to you by sneaky weasel lager and hey y'all southern ice tea the official alcohol sponsor of the show Ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you today on our very first bullfighting cowboy protection corner, all about the the men in the arena, putting it all on the line for for bull riders, as well as the freestyle side of things. But before we get into that, as always, with me today, Jason Davidson, how you doing, bud?
1: I'm good there, young man. How are you doing?
0: Good. Yeah. Good.
1: good. Yeah. 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 We got our old foe back. He made her back. Missed you last week there, Scott.
0: The one and I only know, Scott uh, Burns back as well.
1: Yeah, sorry guys, had to take a timeout again. Uh, fortunately, it was minus sixty-two hundred below here, and things kind <laughs> of caught up to yeah. so, uh So no, but you know we were. In. Oh my God, yes, yeah, it was a it was a gooder. But anyway, yeah, good to be back. How's everybody doing?
0: Good. It's warmed up a little bit, so I can't
1: yeah, yeah, we got back up to the cabin, bought an ice fishing shack. Yeah, I've uh, seen that. Yeah, nice one. We hung our TV in it. So I watched uh watched the well one period of the like placid game and then they had a eight hour
0: <laughs> delay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then we shifted to San Antonio, watched San Antonio and the ice fish and shack. So yeah. So now when it's minus 28, we have something to do. Yeah. So did you did you get that custom built? By the look of it, I'm not insulting you in any way, but by the look of it, it looked like mm-hmm. someone else built that. Is, is that right
0: oh thanks scott <laughs> well, what you can't
1: build anything no i was just wondering if you and the guys got together and built no it no we bought it. it we bought it we drove down to buffalo pound there by moose jaw last friday picked her up solar energy like is that is that what you got for power in there no oh well how you're running the goddamn tv Asher, then you got generator? yeah yeah i believe in energy okay
0: Well, guys, since this is our our bullfighting episode, um, as you guys know, everybody in the game has different styles and different abilities. They have their pros and their cons uh, to the game. There's different styles of bullfighting, whether it be freestyle uh, or cowboy protection. Um, Really happy that you two are on it as two of the most decorated bullfighters to to ever come out of Canada. And where I wanted to start with it... uh, is with you, Jason, and, and how the freestyle bullfights kind of came around when, when you first came around and what freestyle bullfighting really is, essentially.
1: Well, to answer the second part of your question, freestyle bullfighting, um, you know, it's, it's basically an organized game of tag with a, with a fighting bull. So um, there's no rider on his back, obviously. Uh, he leaves the chute and you're timed and marked. On your performance, how good the bull fights is, as you know, it's very similar to bull riding, obviously, yeah. you know, you you got, you got two parts to the score, 50 for the bull and 50 for the, for the bull fighters. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, your dad and Brett rains and Brett Dick, um, they, they brought the Wrangler bull fights, which, you know, your dad was part of that tour back in the eighties and, and uh, they brought it back, to Canada right when I was, you know, right out of when I turned pro, I guess. And it was my first real experience at pro rodeos. It really got my foot in the door, you know, to get to know those guys. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty big part of my career for the first four years there in the mid nineties, you know, I, you know, it was good. It was good money, real good yeah. money at the time. Um, I got to go across the border and make the same amount of money down there, but in us funds and bring it back here at about a buck 47 at that time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was got to meet lots of cool people, obviously, you know, work with some of the, you know, guys like, you know, uh, well, Smets, Sparks has yeah. got to meet those guys. Uh, Greg rumor fought bulls against Greg rumor quite a bit, Mike Matt you know, who won world championships based on performances up here in Canada. So uh yeah, it was it was, you know, I look back at it now and uh I think I'd have to train for a few weeks before I ever set back in the arena with one of them yeah, suckers again. Shit. But Scott, was, did you uh, did you uh, get into
0: bullfighting? Did you do the freestyle side of things?
1: Yeah, I did. I, kind of the same thing. I, I was going to say, like, as Jason was talking, there's so many guys have used the freestyle bullfights to kind of use that stepping stone to, you know, getting their own rodeos as, as far as the cowboy protection. But, yeah, I was the same. I entered some bullfights um, in that transition period from, you know, uh, amateur rodeos into the pro side. Yeah. And uh, But I, unlike Jason, Jason went hard at it uh, for a lot of years. I maybe one, two years dabbled in it, um, got through it, but it wasn't anything that I craved one bit. I mean, I guess in the heat of the battle, uh, I liked it, but I, I didn't like the before uh, leading up to it. And especially when we got out of, you know, the cross spreads and into those, you know, when three amigos, Ryan and Brett and Brett brought those full blood Mexicans to town, man, that was a whole different ball game. And, uh, you know, when you call, when you called for them, um, it was game on, so. you better
0: fucking mean it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, and you did there was some bad cats in the little Borba. Yeah. Borba was famous for, for their fighting bulls. Harper had all of those big bad crossbreds like Iceman and Ultimate Warrior. And you know, they were those were they those were people killers. You know, you didn't yeah. want to stub your toe in there. But yeah, Scott had a good point. You had to be you had to be game on. I wish I would have had all over again i probably uh you know we'll touch on it in uh with our guest here but i i wish i would have went back to the hotel room a few times a little earlier took a little serious. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: scott the 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 cowboy protection side of things for those that don't know is, is a total different game than the freestyle game the freestyle game like you said jason is uh man versus beast similar to bull riding cowboy protection is when the when the cowboy or the bull rider gets bucked off the bull that's when the bullfighters step in or the cowboy protection athletes and the job is strictly protection of those bull riders. So Scott, you can kind of touch on that maybe and how the systems have changed from well, when you guys first came around and there was times when you'd be on your own, be totally by yourself to nowadays where there's three, sometimes four guys and it's a total team effort. Maybe you can touch on that for everybody that doesn't really know.
1: Yeah. With cowboy protection, your main focus is making sure that every bull rider gets out of that arena healthy and at any cost on, on, on a bullfighter's behalf. Uh, I know that was the main focus of every day, every time I stepped out there. And, and it's your job to maneuver that bull in such a way that buys that bull rider some time to, to get up and get out of there. And, you know, it's often said when bull riders hit the ground, you know, they don't, everything's disoriented. They don't know up from down. They need that split second to get up and go. So, it was our job to put our body on the line and make sure that that main focus of that animal was on us and, and not the bull rider and you know we started out start of my career you fought a lot of rodeos by yourself it was yeah. just you out there and yeah i mean that was that was that was okay um but as evolution of 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 the of the game goes on we got into the going from one guys to two guys and you know, I really noticed, I look back now in my career and, and um, that really defined um, the, the really good bullfighters from the guys that were just mediocre. Those guys that could fight by themselves, they didn't have to worry about anything in the arena other than that bull rider, but they didn't have to worry about a partner that was, you know, a fellow bullfighter that was going to help save them at the same, same time. And that's where that teamwork came in and a lot of guys had trouble with that transition and having that extra body out there in the arena. And it was a good thing that it did start to, to get like that where we had two guys. And as we see now, uh, especially in a lot of these bull ridings, there is three guys and that's, I mean, that's even better in my opinion, but here again, you're adding another element out there. And if you can't move in your triangle or cross from each other all the time, we always said you wanted to be across from each other, you know, one guy to the head picking the bull, next guy coming through, putting his body between the bull rider and so on and so forth. As a team player, if you can't figure that out, it's not going to work. It's going to cause you more wrecks than than you're going to ever prevent. So I think that transition where we went from the one guy into the two really defined, you know, who was, who was good and who was really good. Yeah. And who worked good together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I was really difference. lucky, like, yeah, I got to my first, you know, I went with TJ um, and there was no competition between us. There was yeah. never a competition. You just went to work. And then I worked with with your dad, with Ryan, and you didn't try to compete with that guy or you're going to get, you're, you know, you're going to get slapped after. So, <laughs> you know, speaking of three man, Scott, the only time I ever worked three man system was you and and Ryan and I in Vancouver at the Vancouver. Bud Light Cup? That's the only time yeah. I ever was yeah. in an arena. There was, you know, always some guys hanging around. When you know a lot of those bullfights I was at, um, I was also doing the protection. So the bullfighters would always hang around and be on the fence just in case, you know. But yeah, that was the only time it was yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah, and I I'll totally agree with you because that was the first time I worked with three guys too and possibly at that point in my career was first time I would have worked with two guys, you know? Yeah. Um, well it, it's funny. The two man system started at pro rodeo before it started at amateur rodeo. Yeah. Um, When it should have been the opposite. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, you know, the reason it was was still one man rodeos
0: when I was, I was going to it. Yeah. 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 Was
1: it two? Yeah. So I think though, like you say, uh, it probably should have happened at the amateur level before it ever happened. Yeah, it
0: worked its way at level, up. but
1: Well, yeah, but you know that what's going on there, the stock contractors are trying to, you know, they're, they're undercutting each other from one rodeo to another. So an extra $500, just yeah. that that's what's make or break in a contract. It sure as hell is going to get spent on a bullfighter.
0: From the, an outsider looking in, the, the mechanics of, of the systems are, are all very similar and it goes very, very smooth when you got guys that are willing to work as a team. When, when you see, um, somebody out of place, it's usually for a reason that uh, somebody's trying to do too much or, or take that away from somebody else. When, when you work with, with the right team and everybody's there for the right reasons. And that reason is strictly taking care of that cowboy. It's fucking easy. It's easy. And everybody flows smoothly. Everybody rolls together. Um, uh, we'll ask it's Jesse about it. We'll ask Jesse it's about it. Our, our guest when when he comes on, um, but it, it, it's it's not hard. It's very simple, and uh, there's guys that can make it very difficult in situations that don't need to be difficult. But for those that don't know, the the whichever way the bull is spinning, um, that's the way that that team goes in that momentum in that in that circle or your or your triangle with your three guys. So. Um, it's, it's it's a very simple concept that, that can be confused by guys, but when done right, you don't even hardly know that, that the bullfighters are there because everything's just hitting from one to the other.
1: And, you know, even too, you know, you're spinning with the bull or running with the bull. A good team, I mean, we're playing in a game of, of variables. These guys can switch it up that fast and everybody's just going the same flow, The, the you know, another way. And like you said, when everybody's on the same page it works out so good so good you know so
0: definitely uh one thing I wanted to ask you guys about too is um you see it quite a bit on the on the internet with um with young bullfighters and guys that are coming up and in the sport you have to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you and sometimes that is a hindrance um when you're when you're trying to make a name so uh I see it all the time and and yeah, this is even for bullfight bull riders too uh that are watching you know watch what is actually happening out there just because there's a bullfighter out there that fucking takes a hook in and, and gets mauled that doesn't mean he did a good job yeah no, and no, you'll no. see it on the back yeah. of the shoots you'll look on the back shoots and everybody oh, will be just pumped just great job man fucking i've done it. like i've been in a dumb position yeah. <laughs> and got fucking mowed down and everybody's like great work i'm like no that was not great work you know like uh, just because somebody's yeah. getting fucking hooked all the time doesn't mean that they're doing the right fucking thing. most of the time they're probably <laughs> doing the the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> over, over the years, I've had guys come from other rodeos to rodeos I was that and they'd be like, you should see so-and so man that guy he is awesome. He like he took like five hookins last night. That question <laughs> My question back would be, so were they necessary or is it just cuz? And and lots of times guys couldn't answer that question because they've never fought a bull in their life. And and more often than not, you never really heard of that guy, you know, again for very long, just because you can only do that so long. And number yeah. one, your peers your peers uh, kind of force you out of the game, and number two, your body can't take it. So i mean 100 percent. how good are you to the next guy when you're right. when you're throwing yourself in front of one for no reason yeah. like it's
0: how good are you to the fucking bow rider that's down and you just get hooked on top well, of them and you right. both get hooked and everybody gets in a wreck and you just cause a fucking shit show yeah instead you know, of maybe taking on a sh- stepper
1: i always used to think the least amount of shit that happened in the arena yeah that's, that's oh, a yeah. good perf yeah
0: exactly. that's that's
1: that's where I was going with it. You know, If you can get in there and make a sweet save that maybe only you know was the perfect timing, shot the gap save, and you finish it off, that guy runs, he's goody, you step back and got that feeling like you just broke that bastard down, that's what it's all about. And that's what people got to realize. Those guys that are smooth and take a hook and when they got to, between the guy that's just flogging his ass in there for no reason and, and causing the wreck. That's, that's not what uh, you know what I learned. um, what it, what it all comes down to, or, or what you have to have is livestock sense. I've worked with enough guys over the years, all over North America, like literally, you know, from Memphis, Tennessee, to Luxton, British Columbia, if you didn't have that livestock sense, you were already one step behind. Yeah, that's, that's like, you know, you just, you can't just pretend, you know, livestock. And I guess uh, we, you know, we were all fortunate enough. We grew up, you know, all three of us grew up around it. So you had no choice really as a yeah. young, as it, you know, you didn't, you really didn't, but you weren't fighting, you know, your, your, your cows or whatever at home, but you learn to respect them. And, you know, yeah. there'd be the odd, you know, there might be one that comes out at you, but it's just t- to be able to be around them. You know, yeah. a good example is is that you know James Northey, a cousin of ours, who was an outstanding bullfighter. And uh, but there was a kid that come from the city, um, and he got a job at the auction mart just to learn how to step one way or step the other way to make an animal do a certain thing. Yeah. He had to he had to learn that, and and he was a very good bullfighter because of it. He put the time in, and I mean, it's something that can be learned, but it takes. It, it takes, takes a long time and yeah You'll see a lot you of count. guys
0: too that 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 uh you know within maybe the first couple of times you see them they're like holy fuck and then maybe four or five years later um yeah. are doing a, a very very good job you know and like you say it's just that getting used to animals the way that they move um different angles that you that you move around them in those certain mm-hmm. senses right And then you got guys like Aaron Mercer, that's one of the best freestyle bullfighters that there's ever been, who was a ranch bronc rider, who was just an athlete and decided he was going to try a freestyle bullfighting one day. And, and I mean, the proof is in the pudding with that guy. He's just unreal. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no key to, to success, right? There's, there's a bunch of different paths to it. And there's lots of guys that, that, um, really kind of you Jason could probably attest to this back in back in the day and I've heard Rob Smets um, touch on this too that there wasn't the difference in freestyle bullfighting and cowboy protection it was just bullfighting you didn't just do one or the other you know everybody was you were doing it, you were doing it all and there's guys that were amazing freestyle bullfighters that weren't very good cowboy protection yeah. athletes yeah. guys that were good cowboy protection athletes that were terrible freestyle bullfighters so yeah. um and it's it's kind of crazy in that sense because you think it's all one game, but it is it is two you know different games. A guy like Mercer that we were just touching on, um, never did you know do the cowboy protection side of it. He went right into freestyle bullfighting, and now is getting more into the cowboy protection side of it. But it, it's it's two total separate games.
1: Yeah. Well, you get yeah. It's like uh, it's, you got to keep the balls in the air in both sides of it. You, uh, it's you know you know I'm gonna go back. To my old buddy TJ, who I learned from, like if you ever watched any videos of TJ freestyling, like it's okay, just stay down. Don't don't <laughs> go up there anymore and yeah. do that, you know. Like he, but he did it, you know, and he'd get around the odd time, and then he thought he'd try and jump one, and he had a vertical vertical of an ant. So you can't be half in on either. You can't. Um, yeah. But I think there's just some natural talent athleticism on the freestyle side that you definitely have to have to have the edge. And I think the edge on the protection is, is balls and and livestock sense. Like you you got to know when you got to step in there, like you have to, some days, you know, on the freestyle, if you mess up and get run over, it's nobody's fault, but your own. Mm. That's that there's a big difference from getting run over by a Mexican, than knowing that you got to step in front of that brammer, and get run over because there's a guy laying there. That's yeah. two total different. Somebody else's mindsets. life is in your hands. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a firm believer at, at some of the schools that I still have the opportunity to teach. I want kids to, they're there for the cowboy protection, but I want kids to go to, especially younger bulls that are kicking hard, just to drive to the hip, get a hold and drive. Cause that yeah. helps you in the cowboy protection end of things oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. You know, I'm not telling these kids to go out and be Aaron Mercer. But it definitely it, it gets your confidence every time you can get in there and make go that to round. Yeah, yeah, you gotta exactly. go. You gotta go. Well, you, Scott, you were at the bull riding school and my first bullfighting school, right? You were at that yeah. bull riding school, right, yeah. Wainwright? I I actually won the bull riding school, so <laughs> oh, so the title. Man. Oh, just, just saying, I, uh, hey, just saying, I happen to win the bullfighting school. Yeah. there, we, there <laughs> you go. <High> five. Yeah. <laughs> but every every you know, I, I think we started with maybe five or six of us. But by day two or three, I think it was three of us left or two. Yeah, Yeah. maybe three. But um, any of them calves, Rod Schellenberg had a lot of the bulls there. Any of them calves that wanted to hook, Ryan would say, go to him. Unless, Mm -hmm. you know, Rod, if something really fired, Rod really didn't want you stepping around him. But you, like, when somebody says go to him, you know, after a while, I was starting to feel like, okay, I'm, but nobody was going So, I'm not going to let you know if they're kicking and and just there's a fun and you well build your confidence like that, you know. And that's why uh, my son, Braden, he's 17 now, he's really wanting to get into this bullfighting thing and he's gone to a couple little deals. But I've been talking with Tanner, I want you know, we want to go up to PA and I want I want uh, Braden to step around some twos, you know, some threes that are just kicking out there to gain that confidence. And then we'll work on the timing of. Of getting through there when a cowboy's down or whatever they just they got to gain that confidence it helps them 100 percent. so yeah. um it's something that i mean if you choose to take it as far as uh freestyle career so be it i'll get on you
0: scott what uh what about the business side of, of uh, bullfighting you were in the game longer than most and um from where you where you started to where you where it was at when you left and uh money wise I know you're always an advocate for for all the guys sticking together and, and making sure that you guys were getting paid the amount that you should have been getting paid um how does that kind of come into play in the bullfighting world
1: well it's it's kind of like anything you got to cut your teeth and and uh... I know I started out going for free with Jason. And it's funny how it all works, right? I I shadowed under Jason for free, um, which which got me some exposure to get my first paid rodeo, which was, you know, 150 bucks a day. And uh, that's okay for a while. And that's something we try and educate, you know, these new kids on is that.
2: Yeah, we weren't raising
1: kids and putting food on the table for anybody but ourselves back then so we could afford to do it right but you know I think a thing that a lot of people got to, or a lot of people got to realize and I guess uh, potential bullfighters got to realize is that you know you're putting your life on the line every time you step out there and uh, it's okay to it's okay Mm -hmm. to you know kind of make some money for a while but at some point you got to decide whether you're want to make a living at this or yeah you're in or you're to, out yeah or have or make it a hobby and i was always big i mean i my amateur career was with skip keller always paid me top dollar at that level um i was kind of the uh, i guess other bullfighters are like how much you get and we'd all discuss it amongst each other and that was what they kind of shot for so i was very lucky but moving on up You know, the first year I went to the Canadian Finals Rodeo, I was making $75 more than I would have at an amateur rodeo for Skip It was my worst paying rodeo. My last year at the CFR was the worst paying rodeo I had. Right. So we, you know, sometimes you just got to take action and and stand up and be noticed. And uh, we did. We we got a plan together and, uh, you know, whether you want to call it a union or whatever, we, we... Basically, we're going to go on strike until we got more money, and and that kind of got the ball rolling for Mm -hmm. being paid properly for what you were doing out there. And you know, the last five six years of my career, we were finally getting what I felt was at least proper. I mean, we weren't getting rich off it or anything, but. Uh, we were getting proper pay. And, and a lot of guys, I mean, I was the veteran of the group and I'm not taking credit for any of this because they all could have told me to fuck off, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, guys, we kind of have to stick together here on a base price. I mean, move up from that, but don't move below it. And, you know, a lot of guys um, did that. And, uh, and Jason, you said it when all of a sudden when you had two kids and a mortgage in a duly in a trailer to get up and down the road to all these roadies and stuff, you know, 300 bucks a day doesn't cut it. So no. No. it's kind of out of necessity to make more money. Right. So, yep. you know, and you know, and in the, in the, like the chance of getting hurt where you're not guaranteed any money. And I, I switched up how I did business the year I got hurt in Cloverdale in the slack first perf. And I got wiped out and I was done till, my first road to go back was Morris or Medicine. What comes first, Morris or Medicine Hat? Morris. Morris? Yeah. Okay. So from long weekend in May till July. And I miss Calgary. I miss Guinness yeah, Vale, them all of them. Like, how, you know, like that is shitty. And then I didn't get paid my whole contract at Cloverdale. I'll never no. forget that. And then I just started writing in my contracts. Once I start, I, you know, Blair Bold was the first guy to sign that. And he said, well, we've never done that before. I said, yeah, well, I, you know, this is a result of last year at Cloverdale. And I explained it and Blair said, fair enough. That's another thing
0: that lots of people don't understand is that, uh, even our guest today, Jesse Byrne, one of the best bullfighters that there's ever been in the world, um, at the highest level, if he gets wiped out the first event and there's still an event the next day or whatever, he does he only gets paid for that, for that Mm-hmm. one day of event, so you get your ass hooked off you break a leg you get home uh you get your check in the mail and it's half of what it was supposed to be for that weekend because you got yeah. fucking killed off which is pretty crazy try,
1: try living off 250 dollars for a slack performance for all of may june and july yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know what I, I gotta be honest with you that it's just it ain't right and that's a bad language but it's not <laughs> right we you know no but it isn't we shouldn't yeah especially at a high level whether it's pro rodeo or or PBR, whatever there should be no way that a man that steps in the arena to save other people's lives put his bodies on the line if he gets wiped out in the first birth there's no way he should not be at least paid out right you know uh, and i guess we kind of let that happen to ourselves like you said you finally got uh, committees um um signing that you know we'll finish it off or whatever but I, it just boggles my mind and people will probably look at us and go, why do you let that happen? I really don't have the answer for that. Why do we let it happen?
2: So
0: well, no. uh, you're right.
1: No. You're right.
0: Well, it's, a lot of it is, is that uh, it's kind of a snaky business in the sense of that mm-hmm. uh, you, you uh, speak out of turn or you, you know, don't abide by the rule. There's another guy that's yeah. ready to do it for what that fucking price is at. So guys yeah. like Jason have fucking free range to. Take whoever they want because there's always going to be somebody to yeah
1: because that's guys. my style <laughs> <laughs> you know that's really what got me going on on the endorsements back in the you know really the mid early to mid 90s um there wasn't you didn't see that you didn't see guys wearing sponsorships on, and boy it pissed people off because it wasn't brahma boot in the arena or whatever well you know, Brahma does this for. Yeah, I understand that, but this company does this for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're if helping you don't me like, if you road. if you don't like it, pay up, sucker, right? Yeah. You know? Well, exactly. So but, that that really opened uh, that really opened up the door into you know not worrying about paying bills um, when I knew I had X amount of contracts in place for endorsements, right? So that was. Uh, and look at today now you know that's just common practice Everybody's well
0: speaking of which speaking of endorsements,
1: yeah, sponsor plug
0: ladies and gentlemen sponsor plug sneaky weasel lager if you're looking for a smooth refreshing beer this weekend grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager this mildly hopped lager delivers a bold 5.6 abv but goes down crisp and clean this bear beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration fun in the sun and good times with friends this beer is available all across western canada sneaky weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the nfp podcast whoa just hold on a sec hold on a sec twilight did that (laughs) hell yeah! Come calm my (laughs) It's in the mail bro oh didn't think so didn't think so (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, Um, um that is that is huge though uh and that's something that I discuss with new students at schools and stuff. The better you are in the arena, the smoother you are, uh, you know, your appearance, everything in and out of the arena, the faster you will land, you know, those potential sponsors that pay the bills throughout the year. I mean, really yeah. good teaching. You know what I did with my teacher in Wainwright? Got uh, slammed don't... with him and slept with him underneath the pool table. Pool table. I remember walking. <laughs> but it was ryan Byrne. and i didn't give a shit here, <laughs> you can have my coat i just mm. want to i just want to pretend i slept beside the chap here himself uh, i remember walking into rogers arena the next morning uh and uh seeing these bodies underneath this pool table and i mean i was there to dominate the bull riding world and i'm like what the <laughs> hell is going on here?
0: <laughs> you guys are nuts man i'm fucking here serious yeah the one side of that too also and nowadays i can really attest to it is social media and when i when i switched over to becoming a bullfighter i knew that i wasn't going to get um a bunch of work and and for all you young guys out there i went to a bunch of cca rodeos and everywhere that i could go to knowing that i could video all of it and and have social media whenever i did anything even half good so in the sense of i wasn't fighting at the highest level it didn't fucking matter if i was in herbert Saskatchewan. and there was still going to be a hundred and some thousand people online and all the guys that you knew in that voting system that were going to do it that we're going to watch you know and um i really helped feel like that elevated me um to get to get where i needed to be is promoted myself in the right ways and got it in front of the right people
1: yeah no that's exactly right that's the business of it that's it right there in a nutshell it's uh use every tool and um angle you can to promote yourself and do your job in the end you can promote uh online offline i don't care where you want to do it but yeah. it all comes down to it it's what happens in that arena and um, exactly
0: yeah 100%. you know if you can't
1: do, if you can't follow through i've, I've watched guys at schools 10 guys line up we're about to get started they load bulls and you can tell the four guys that just told their girlfriend yeah, i'm gonna be a bullfighter they're shitting their pants <laughs> yeah, talking, right, fuck yeah. nice. right? Yeah. so yeah. tell me tell me one school you started with the same amount of guys or you finished with the same amount of guys you started with <laughs> I, i've i've uh, had more than enough schools where i had to fight bulls at the end <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: okay. you know, um uh, well before we get too much longer, we got Jesse Byrne waiting and, um, he probably knows more about bullfighting than all of us put together. Maybe we'll, we'll see. He's that. forgotten.
1: He's forgot more than, <laughs> than we're going to know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's pretty good. So we might have to do this, uh, again, cause I got papers and papers questions and I know you guys got a lot more wisdom and we might have to get, uh, the old legend Ryan O'Burn on here one day to, to chat about it too. And, uh, oh, and
1: sure. we're no, let's do a roast. <laughs> Let's just do it. Oh. well you better make that a three-part then
0: okay before we go to the interview with jesse uh one last one who uh who is your what do you kind of look at as as being one of the best ever all-around bullfighters um you know in the arena maybe not freestyle could be freestyle could be both bullf- uh cowboy protection but who's kind of your guys's idol and somebody that you look up to scott other well, than okay, I know Ryan, we all th- we all talk about that, but um you know somebody well
1: can I have two because yep. there's two different eras. One guy that I always watched that I was just amazed with was Rex Dunn. Um, yep. and that was kind of back when you could watch the NFR on TV, way back in the day, the Heston NFR or whatever. And I just remember and then and of course Ryan fought his first NFR with Rex and uh, so I got to watch lots of footage. I just like the way that guy. Now, once I started fighting bulls, I liked the way he drove around bulls and, and just Mr. handled it, Mister Smooth. Uh, yeah. Mr. smooth yeah. yeah, and I'd have to say, you know, in the last, well, wow, she's like thirty or five years or forty years would be uh, would be Joe Baumgartner. That guy, well, you know, he just handled everything in the arena. He was taller. He had that long stride, and he just was reach, smooth. He could reach in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jason, so who do you got? Well, obviously, I think if you're going to go, ra- you know, pretty well-rounded, you can't take anything away from Ryan. Obviously, you know, he fought some of the baddest cats, but I'm not going to give him any credit today. We'll <laughs> save that for his pod. Um, <laughs> I got to go with Scott on uh, Joe and Rex, but freestyle bullfighters watching in the day, I I don't think you can take anything away from Greg Rumor or Ronnie Sparks. Uh, oh, yeah. Or Donnie Sparks, yeah, Ronnie like and Those Donnie. guys, they they just they'd hurt old Brahmas, yeah. not just Mexicans. Now, the, today's freestyle bullfighting, it's it has evolved into, it's like skiing to snowboarding almost, like yeah. with the tricks and the level of what they're doing. But uh, those Sparks boys back in the day did it right, I think.
0: Well, I love fucking Miles Hair, man. I love just, <laughs> uh, those video, like the you know, like. Oh, well, me and Jesse, once we interview Jesse here, I'm sure he'll talk about it. But we grew up on the Wrangler bullfights of the 80s, just wore out. Well, if you want to go
1: back to that era, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. for sure with you. Even Skipper Boss, oh, Skipper mm-hmm. Boss, I was just gonna say him, yeah, Rick
0: Chapman, um, yeah, 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 the yeah legends, man. But yeah, Miles Michael Harris, Horton. yeah, Mike Smurf, yeah, uh, Smets, you know, like Smets lasted super, such a long time three broken necks, um, freestyle, cowboy protection at the highest level, world championships. Um, Yeah, Smets and Miles Hare always stand out for me. Rex Dunn, Skip Provost, Rick Chapman, um, all those guys stand out. And then, uh, obviously, our guest, uh, the person that I look up to now, Jesse Byrne, Mm -hmm. right, is, um, I think, in the last – I might be a little biased, but the last 10, 15 years, there's nobody that – you know, no, he's well, well,
1: you guys, you guys, I mean, even the cowboy protection into things has evolved in strides since I started, since your dad started, it, you know, it, I know the end game is the same and the, and the goal is the same at the end of the day, but guys, you know, they move different. They have different ways of making things happen even that much better nowadays. I think anyways, I mean, I'm getting to the point now where I feel that I should step away from some schools and let some of these really good guys that are at the top of their game start teaching them just because I don't want to hold the evolution of the of the whole job up, right? Yeah, so, you
0: said it right there, it, Like, and it has to get better. Everything has yes. – bull riding, bull riders, bulls, everything has to get better for the sport mm-hmm. to thrive. And if you look yep. at any other sport, that's uh, – but I think yep. you're a pretty good teacher, Scott, so I wouldn't step away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get to our guy because, like we said, he probably knows better than we do. So let's hear what he has to say about the whole bullfighting game, his career. And he's got a cool story. So I hope everybody enjoys our interview with Jesse Byrne. Look at Jesse Byrne. You know, he's so smooth. and, And you see him undo so many things. And this is one of those moments where the bull zeroed in and coming. And he jumps up on his head, gets that bull to pick up his head. Look at Shane just trots away. I'll tell you what, I, I've seen a lot of great bullfighters, and, and I've been privileged to have a lot of great bullfighters work for me, and that Jesse Byrne, you can put him right up there with any of them. Our guest today is a 13-time PBR World Finals bullfighter, the first and only ever Canadian to be selected to work those finals. In addition to that, he's been to the CFR five times. He's been to the PBR Canada Finals ten times one of the greatest bullfighters to have ever lived, a stand-up athlete, and my brother, the one and only, the legend, Jesse Byron J-Bone. What is up?
3: What's up, brother? Good <laughs> How you here. doing? Good, good, man. Good to see all you guys and be able to have a visit today. Yeah, so up. we're
1: in an episode of Boys in the Hood here, all the brother. Hey, brother. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, there's one cousin. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: <you're> right, <laughs> uh, gotta have the cousin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's roll with it. We've been getting lots of questions of uh, where the fuck's Jesse Barron at? What's going on? We haven't seen him on TV and, and at these events like you're you're regularly at on the on the PBR PBR Premier Series tour. Uh, what's going on? Where are you at? What's happening?
3: Just, i out, know, man. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy change of pace for sure. Like, say, haven't been at any events for a long while. The World Finals was the last time I put the cleats on, and uh, the bags just been sitting, collecting dust since. So, at this point, it, it kind of just comes down to an issue with the border. I can't get down there and come back home. So it's it's an all or nothing sort of situation where uh you're either in or you're out so for me at this point i'm out um i just can't drop the rest of my life to to go and try make a living week to week at this point so i'm I'm really hopeful that the the border situation the canadian government likes to uh (laughs) loosen this shit up a little bit where i don't have to spend uh two thousand dollars in a holiday in dale or whatever the hell they got going on (laughs) if i try re-enter the country so yeah we'll see because at this point um yeah we're we're just for those of you that don't know i guess independent contractors and uh it just comes down to getting paid if you're if you're working that event so for me at this point it's it's tough to break even so here I am at home trying to make a living from, from here, which is new, but uh, it's kind of cool. It has its pluses, for sure. What's well, well, welcome,
1: welcome to the real world, like the rest of us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this is the real world, what the fuck? But um, no, yeah, I'm not retired. I didn't quit. I, I just, uh, just had to press pause with what's going on, so yeah. Um, just building up some fuel in the tank. By the time by the time I get the go ahead, I think I'll be damn good and ready because it, it feels like it's been well. Well, it has really been the longest the longest break I've ever had. Well,
1: was there? Can you, was, not, can you not consider yourself like essential service coming back across the border if you're working? Or is there <laughs> like I? am not 100 percent aware of the rules. I think they're moving the goalposts every time. Um, yeah. So if you go you obviously got a quarantine. You can't just come home and quarantine in your house and then leave again the next week. That's not acceptable for them.
3: Well, I, I don't believe here now as of late that that's acceptable. That's, that's where the real risk comes into play is they there from what I understand. And it's like, like say it's changing every day, but that, um, that would be cons- if I was to try and quarantine at home with my wife, um, then you know, that would be deemed an unacceptable quarantine plan because I'd be putting her at risk and then others in the public. So it would have to be a private residence with just me in it or a hotel of some sort. But, um, yeah, the, the last, the last half of, of last year, um, I went down, I guess in June for the stint in, in Vegas, the team event, um, which was which was fine because I was just there and stayed for the entire month and then came back and did the fourteen day quarantine after it. Um, but then the second half of the season, I did a lot of back and forth because it was going to be either quarantine in a hotel down there trying to hide out and not get sick or come back home and and try and get some stuff done in the yard still because I could at least do that. But I was trapped. I couldn't even go to town. Uh, couldn't do shit. And then. Uh, I was able to then go back to the US so I could enter and re-enter, um, but just couldn't be in the public basically. But now wow. I feel like that's, that's gotten worse. It's even worse since then where I don't even feel like that would be acceptable. And I'd probably be the guy that ends up in the black SUV from the, from the Calgary <laughs> airport headed to the unknown location. So
1: I'm good on that. If you cut your hair, they might let you back in unscathed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck that. Definitely Don't do it. Don't, yeah. do
3: it. Don't do it. It ain't so happening. So it so might need so to close. get a little thinner, but it ain't getting shorter. <laughs> uh, so you're so coming back. Quick, sorry, quick Be question. Back.
1: Yeah, it's a quick question. I know uh, you kind of answered a little bit at the start, but there was just never any point where you thought, okay, I'm going to go south, stay down there um you know make my presence known again for 2021 um was it like was it something that you really had to oh man what am
3: I going to do here for sure yeah it took it took a lot I thought it wasn't something that was easy to settle on I just I guess at the end of the day I've I've put a lot into bullfighting and in this career and and sacrificed a, a lot and uh and, you know, at this point, the reward is is going backwards a bit. the The financial reward is is going backwards. The um, the pay is definitely decreasing due to circumstance. So, um, you know, it's all things that I try and factor in. It's it's hard because, as you guys all know, that it it's something that we do based on passion, and you try and then factor business in it and it's like what makes sense to you know set everything down and not not uh have anything else but bullfighting and you know what am I going to get back out of it and just at the end of the day I was like you know what I've spent too much time with with all my eggs in 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 one basket so to speak and and that's probably something if not one of the greater things that this whole situation is kind of brought to my attention is just like you know you got you got to be diverse and you got to be able to you know pivot as they say and and uh be able to to adapt to the circumstance and so that's that's what I'm doing like I said just put it on pause doesn't need to be a a bigger decision than that so that makes it a little bit easier and I hope like I say that the sport border opens up and can get back to to doing what I love because you know money money aside you know let's Let's hope that we get back to where we were, but you know, at, at this point, it's just too much to to. Oh, to amen, in.
1: brother, amen. We're in the same boat up here. You know, we all want to get back to work. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's tough when when your hands are literally tied. You can't even plan anything right now. Yeah, literally, I I wish we could run off to a different province and try to make something work, like what. Sean's doing in the U.S. right now, but we can't, you know. Yeah, it's probably countrywide here, so it's unfortunate.
0: Good Jess. Well, we'll, um, well, maybe.
1: Well, hey guys, if we get going, we'll get Jess can come be our shoot rooster,
3: right?
0: Damn right. Oh yeah, man. I was, yeah, I was
3: just, I was like to asking Tanner about this schedule because I was like, Jesus Christ, if the border is my issue, well, we need to get get the cleats back on up here. So,
0: all <laughs> right, so get it rolling up here. <laughs>
3: i might have to check the budget shoot rooster might be a better plan i don't know probably (laughs) for the risk reward (laughs) definitely on the risk reward side
1: of it it definitely would be
0: (laughs) okay jess going back to the your early days um how did you get into the sport and how did you get into to bullfighting in particular your uh, well-known athlete played a lot of hockey lacrosse all different sorts of stuff um, as a kid but uh, specifically the sport of rodeo and bullfighting uh, in general
3: well you know it was uh i told well, i tell everybody like that's a i guess the common question and i did i tell people that that it's my dad's fault and i i say that jokingly but you know they let some people look at you like oh he made you do that I was Like, no but i didn't know any different he he was the one who introduced me to it from day one and you know I just remember being a little kid thinking that that was the coolest shit there ever was and and just like going to those places and all the sights and sounds and then you know just dad being in the middle of it and everything that, that he did out in the arena I just remember just constantly kind of being in awe I guess of it all and and then finally getting to uh an age where i could participate in something well i guess it started in sheep with the sheep fighting if i really think about it i was going to skip right to the the junior riding but no yeah that's, I started well that's, that's right where there. you got your first conky wasn't it yeah, it was a <laughs> yeah exactly that's why i could remember dude it's catching up <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it started real early i guess for me in the cleats so i, I got into that sheep fighting pretty good i thought that was just you know the bee's knees i love being out there with dad and and uh trying to get off in the action and i remember you know going to rodeos like medicine hat and and they made a pretty big deal out of, of bow and i sheep fighting and and uh made us belts and it, i just remember you know having those memories being out in that arena at, at four or five years old <laughs> probably oh, and 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 yeah, I got overly confident as you know, all bullfighters will will tell you happen. And I got got out there trying to put the block on one and I had long hair back then too, and she whipped back like nothing else when that sheep hit me in the chest, man. And I just remember having to take five. Didn't really know what the hell it all just happened. And I just remember hands on the knees, bent over trying to get 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 some air back in me, but that was that was the initial uh, I guess knock that that put the bug in me that that's kind of something that that stuck with me. I always wanted to get back to to being out in that arena, and and then I ventured off into some of the the riding as as I got a little bit older and did did the two handed steer riding, which was just a terrible idea <laughs> for me. Two hands in the rope equaled me getting hit in the face like all the time. You double um, the
1: odds of yourself being smacked in the face, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> nothing to put out in front of you just take it in the teeth. But, you know, I, I, I just wanted to do it. I, I knew I wasn't really that good at it, but um I just kind of thought I'd get better. I never, I never really doubted that it wouldn't come along. Um, But I wasn't really putting a lot into it either. When I think about it, you know, I was just kind of like, no, this is how it works. You just go and, Eventually, it gets better, and it didn't really get better, but I just kind of learned, you know, what, what it was like to grit shit out and what tough being tough was about and what, you know, just not knowing what you're getting yourself into but but dealing with it. And uh, it taught just me like a lot. Scott, but
0: I, I just... just like Scott taking it on the chin.
3: Over and over. Are you over getting the message yet? <laughs> yes, yes, yes
2: yeah that's <laughs> oh, exactly right.
3: but yeah I got once I got one hand in the rope got old enough to figure that out and got getting on some bulls some junior bulls and that it got a little better and and uh I kind of started to get a little confidence in it but um it kind of all started to come together right about the time I was old enough to to be a bullfighter or try to be a bullfighter and and that's really just what I'd been waiting on I just was trying to get to the point where I was old enough to take on that responsibility. And, and then I got old enough and I was like, God damn, now I'm going to have to ask dad if this is a <laughs> decent, idea. <laughs> a decent I know, idea.
1: I know that. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> well, how old, how old do you think you were, Jess, when you come to the, cause your bullfights was your first step into the arena, right? Like at, when we were doing those professional Canadian bull riding events, you come to some bull, a few of them,
3: I think. Didn't yeah. Yeah. That Those was like well, waters. that was definitely yeah, my was first the road. first yeah. foray into into freestyling. Um, but yeah, I'd done some done some protection stuff at a few amateur oh, okay rodeos prior to that. But yeah, I, I was sixteen, I guess, when when I finally was like, all right, okay, let's let's ask dad if, if uh, you know he thinks take this on, give it a go, and and uh, yeah, I remember being real nervous about that, not not because I want, you know, not because I was worried that, you know, he was going to push it on me or that it was then going to be something that I had to do if I brought it up or anything like that. It was more of like, is he going to tell me no? Cause I, I've been waiting a long time for this yeah. and I just don't want to hear no. So, um, yeah, I asked him and I, and I just remember him being excited and, and, uh, you know, being like, yeah, shit, if you want, if you want to give it a try, that's great. And it was, you know, it was really nothing more than that. It wasn't, like I said, a uh, a pressure situation by any means. And then, you know, luckily it was all in the family and, and, and Scott, you were, you were going to all those rodeos. And at that point, James, cousin James Northy was doing a bunch of amateur rodeos in Saskatchewan and, and, uh, I, yeah, I got to get in on the, the shadow scene, get in. Oh, I remember going to like Nippon and Tisdale. Tisdale. And tisdale, <laughs> milestone.
0: Tisdale story here, Scott. Oh, Tis-
3: God, is there ever. yeah
1: <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Oh, let's let's go, go, he says. Well. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, no, I'll I'll use the good part of it. Uh, we had fought bulls together quite a bit at some of these amateur rodeos, and man, we had fun. Like there was nothing better than than fighting bulls, and and especially oh, yeah. with you know your family and stuff. And uh, so we'd go out at night, the odd time here and there. And no, I remember, I, I remember this one time in Tisdale. And it's funny you said earlier in the conversation the bees knees because I found Jesse the next morning in the Beehive Hotel. <laughs> I finally tracked up. But that was the same weekend you were going to Saskatoon, if I remember correct. To uh, I think your dad had come out of retirement, right? And uh, yeah, I, he fought. He fought with uh, he fought with me at the at the PBR at SaskTel Center. Yeah, back right. in the day. Nope. yeah. So I find Jesse. We get heading back to PA to get him in with Ryan and. I had, I wasn't feeling too good so I made Jesse drive all the way home till we got to the end of your driveway and then we switched it up to make it look like I was driving. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
3: this guy we get Oh there's two more parts to that story yes. that I will tell. Yes. And the one yes. was like you said dad was fighting bulls come out of retirement so I was using all his old stuff cuz I mean he wasn't using it anymore so Oh, you yeah, had to get I'd it back cr- to him. I yeah. cracked it all out and used it in Kisdale. Well, we went to leave in the morning. I don't know if the damn building was locked or we couldn't figure, figure it out or we forgot. I don't really remember how it all shook <laughs> out. But I'm, I'm going to go Yeah, foggy mornings. Yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah, left, left the gear there. So not only was dad super unimpressed that I was hungover when I got home, he was even more unimpressed that he had to go to Tisdale on his way to Saskatoon.
0: <laughs> Pick
2: to, up his, to his stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. fresh
3: out of retirement. But
1: I know how much your dad loves driving. So <laughs> Tisdale oh, man. to Saskatoon from Prince Albert just doesn't work. Doesn't do but good. I couldn't
3: believe what I drove all the way back and then we get to the crossroads, which is like a quarter mile from the house and Scott's like pull over. It's like pull over for what we're we're home he's like no nope, no nope, pull over i'm driving i was like i'm pretty sure i can get it from here he's like well, you ain't driving into the yard <laughs> <laughs>
0: make me look oh, bad oh <laughs> god so
3: fun it was so oh, fun that's good
0: back to your uh oh, you kind man. of skipped over though your your bull riding days which a lot of people don't know uh, was how good of a bull rider that you yeah. actually were. And at one yeah. point in your career, after fighting bulls for quite some time, same as the Ryan Burns story you just talked about, decided to bust out of retirement for an event in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and goes fucking hat down with Vinnie Northrup's bull riding gear and wins the bull riding. <laughs> Hasn't been on in three, four years. But it's a testament to how good of a bull rider that, that you were and just didn't enjoy it as much, or like you say, just wanted to fight the bulls.
3: You know, I, that's funny, man. I, I did, I kind of forgot about that whole whole period. And it it was just like, I think it was like, like say, I just didn't, I just didn't put a lot of thought into it. I was always, it was always about bull fighting and it was just kind of like, that's where I was eventually going to get to. So it was just bull riding was kind of just something I was doing in the meantime, which, you know, seems like a sketchy way to go about things, but I, uh, I, I also like, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of parts of bull riding that, that scared the shit out of me. Like there was bulls that I would draw that I'd just turn out. because like that. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with them. So I would have been that guy if I ever tried to tried to make a career out of bull riding where, you know, I, I probably probably wouldn't have been the producer contractor's favorite guy, but um, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't put a lot of of effort into how to get better at it either. I just thought that if I tried hard enough that it would work out and I didn't. And then I, when I put, what's funny is when I put it down and then came back to it on that random occasion and just entered and didn't think twice about it, I didn't even realize that I'd never got on without a helmet and I didn't have one of those (laughs) that day. So, so I did it then. Um, and yeah and it when it worked out great so and it was fun and you know that did kind of light a fire where I was like man I don't know I probably could have got probably got could have got into this too but it was one or the other and and uh, you know I you know I don't regret the choice I made but there's definitely days where I'm like mm-hmm. That that would be fun, and then there's no, other well, like, like holy mean, shit. Yeah. <laughs> as the
1: as the responsible one here, I'm gonna say I think you made
0: the right choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna second that. I'm gonna second that. Oh shit. So for just to fucking reiterate that though, the, the people that were there that day that are listening right now know how good of a bull ride that was that day, and and how good you did ride. So uh for us that kept on riding we're, we're glad you decided to start bullfighting and not take moving past <laughs> so then so you start bullfighting um how does this fucking journey from tisdale saskatchewan with scott um lead to 13 times to the fucking pbr world finals cody lambert quoting as you being the bushwhacker of bullfighters which is the best fucking ever how does this happen man where where did where'd the road lead you jason talked about those freestyle bullfightings rodeos in canada sacrificing going into the us what's kind of what's kind of your journey to the top
3: well uh, yeah it's crazy i haven't uh, i guess spent a a whole lot of time reflecting on on my career but did a little bit in the last last couple days and I you know I was just thinking like it happened fast man like it 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 happened happened really fast and a lot of shit happened in in short order and and uh you know a lot of it I can attribute to to work that I put in and uh a lot of I a, a lot of it I can attribute to work that um my dad put in in his career and and busting down some some doors for Canadians and and myself alike and and uh just always kind of keeping that one goal in mind and that was always always the the PBR world finals and that was my goal from day one and and that was kind of the focus and when it came to rodeo you know rodeo in can at that point the biggest thing in canada was rodeo there was there wasn't pbr canada yet there was a, a solid bull riding tour um but you know like this the cfr was still kind of the the marquee event as far as canada was concerned so i wanted to to assert myself into that position and, and get get there at some point and then the, the next step was always going to be the the PBR World Finals. So um it was like, what do you know, what do I need to do to get that done? And and it was just being willing to to do it at all costs kind of thing. And and yeah, it started out like with a lot of help with Scott and going to going to those amateur rodeos where I was just like a freaking firefly. <laughs> from wall on the wall, just moving so fast and, and everything was just kind of a, a blur in those early days where it was like, man, I've watched I've watched this so many times. Um, but now from this new perspective, holy shit, is things happening fast, you know. So
2: yeah,
3: it was trying to get everything to slow down and I just like like I said, very fortunate throughout my whole career and it started right off the bat with with Scott you being there helping me slow things down and just having having that comfort that family that expertise standing there beside you out there in that arena doing battle with you as a team you know that that whole dynamic is what really is what really set me off you know i remember really taking a liking to to that teamwork duo dynamic um, and yeah especially with it being with scott um and then just getting that that bug in me i guess of where now it is slowed down enough where i'm understanding it and seeing it where i can read this play and figure out where shit's going before it ever gets there and and make a difference in that outcome and and once i was able to start doing that then it was like holy man yeah this is this is what's up this is this is fun like it was just instantly uh a feeling of like this is this is what i want to be doing and and now i really know why and uh eh? yeah and it just it It just kind of yeah it just it just fueled me into like want wanting to be able to to do things that that other people weren't able to do you know it's like i can see how everybody can be a part of a wreck you know that's that ain't no big deal it doesn't take a a lot of expertise to get in a pile up but if you can you know stop things that people don't even notice then I think you know that's where I need to be and that was like something that dad always drove home um Scott I know you abided by the same philosophy well and sorry to interrupt up here, Jess,
1: but you, you hit the nail on the head. I abided by that because it was something your dad instilled in me. And right from the very first school of his that I went to, and, and I will quote, I mean, I was like you, I was running around. I, I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to do it smooth or plan or read the play. And, and he said to me, and this is a little bit on the joking side, but but he meant it. He said, if you don't slow down, I'm going to chain you to the fucking shoots like a colie dog. <laughs>
2: right Uh but
1: that but but you're exactly right and i've i found all the way through my career it would just slow down even more even more to where what you say anybody can go in there and get their ass hooked off for no reason but if you strategically can go in there save somebody and yourself and your partner
3: that's you that's i mean that's what it's all about right yeah definitely definitely yeah Yeah, i I think dad did a good job of uh driving that home in in all of us here on the podcast yeah. it's just like <laughs> oh, shit. it was just like you say though it just it just kept growing for me it was always something that I knew was going to be different every day and always exciting but the uh, the more I understood it then it just kind of you know it just became that much more fulfilling on a, on a different level where I was like man I can make a difference so I can make a difference out here and and uh you know I just had to find a, a way to be able to to do that so it was like okay i worked my way through the the saskatchewan ranks of amateur rodeo oh grumpy old carl barrett got me my first kickstart in rodeo is you know back to i listened to some of the past pods and jason you know talking about working the 250 a day for for carl and that that's what it was and you know i was in high school and didn't have no bills it was like oh we were good. rich Fuck, man, rich. Good run, man. <laughs> let's yeah, go <laughs> just two three perps a week man it was a good go for me so um yeah i hit that hard went uh to the cca finals i guess in like 2003 2004 Who'd um, you go with? Um, I went with uh, Rick Hodgson.
0: Fucking right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Rick were, one of Rick my best friends. Us, but... Yeah. They're
3: such a great guy, man. Rick Rick yeah. was, uh, it was a blast to work with. And we had, yeah, we had so much fun. I miss that guy. But uh, yeah, we, we ripped it up. We spun back Carl's Bulls for him pretty good. It was like <laughs> back in the day where you worked by yourself and, the more rounds you could make in eight seconds, the higher the score was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no shit! You might be instead of sixty-seven, you're seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, yeah, and you so, didn't and you didn't spin back uh one of Carl's or a lot of those bulls that time. You spun all of them back. Right? All
3: of them. them eight, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh my and,
3: uh, god, man! Uh, all of those bulls, and then yeah, God forbid one got you down because it was it's. Nothing more embarrassing than when a guy's still riding the bull and you're (laughs) underneath him. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you go to the CCA finals and then keep uh, working it up past there to the pro rodeos.
3: Yeah, I made it out. uh, I guess after I got the CCA finals, it was kind of like some validation that I was doing things right and making steps. So um, I think the next Thing i really tried taking on was was some of the bull ridings there was a few openings at those but man at that like at that time it was there's was a pretty full deck of bullfighters like yeah. there was james riley gurlitz um kelly morton mm-hmm. scott tj was still going i think at that yeah tj was definitely still going at that point um scott way yeah. Yeah, so there there was uh, not you know not a lot of openings. I got a few few bull ridings and stuff, but then it was that's kind of when I forayed into the into the bullfights a bit because there was damn sure openings in, yeah, in no those. One, that, no one was, was lining up, up no. to get them for
1: some reason.
2: No, Dirty have been Sanchez my might
1: have had something to do with that though. Dirty Sanchez <laughs> yeah. definitely
3: deterred a few guys from lining up. All the turnout bulls that nobody wanted to get on, and they were now yeah. in the bullfights. I was Maybe glad. I was, dirty,
2: I,
1: I was glad Dirty Sanchez was in the in the bullfights because that meant they weren't bucking them anymore. It was
2: awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I got to deal with all those fun ones in the in the freestyle bullfights. So it was like you know another another way to, to try and make a name and, and gain some skills. Cause you know, at the end of the day, they all apply. So it was just like, all right, well let's give this a go. I sure as hell loved watching those Wrangler bullfight tapes. I wore, you know, we wore those out. So yeah, it's like, all right, we'll try and see if I got those skills in me from watching enough tapes. But we, we did some practicing in the backyard and, and uh, I honestly think that that pa at the fairgrounds was my sure. first competition we have okay. done it we'd done it at home um once or twice with dad and, and at the arena there and then i think i think my hometowner was my debut in the freestyles so i had pearl jam the, the black and white yeah yeah was, he was hot what? he
1: was always good for the first twenty too. like he would come and 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 he was on your hip. Is that okay? I know one bullfight. And I don't know if it was Prince Albert or if it was in Patricia, maybe. Did you come to Patricia Alberta Of <laughs> <Yeah>. us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. But you were down on your hands and knees making rounds. On one, oh. and, I,
3: and I thought it might have been Pearl Jam. It might have been was, That yeah. was Dirty Sanchez. In oh, that, no. In, in oh, Patricia. Yeah. yeah. And that, was that wasn't intentional. Shit.
0: No, <laughs> it wasn't
3: no but I left her a little bit early imagine that because well anything was early with that bull um but yeah he cut me off and I got around like I made it like a half round with him and then he bumped me in the hip pretty hard and knocked like knocked me to my knee and I remember just like scrambling like a like a bull rider who just hit the dirt you know I was just like scratching around the corner on my hands and knees got a Got another round out of him and got myself gathered up and oh, carried fun. on. But yeah, that was a trick too. I, that bull was not supposed to be in the draw that day. It was a cat it was a calf bull fight where it was all two year olds and my bull didn't fight. So that was the re ride you ran in, Jason. Thank you. Oh, you okay. so- Sorry, buddy. I, I, I did
1: I, I tried to help you out with the calf and he just didn't work <laughs> for you.
0: So then you go to the uh you go to the Pro Rodeos and get the CFR. Right away, did you pull the old uh, Scott Byrne on Jason and fucking snake him, and then he had to call you and tell him that you got him, or how did your CFR experience go?
3: No, I, well, actually, so, yeah, I did those (laughs) bullfights for a couple years, um, and then, you know, was slowly picking up some some bull ridings, and, and then I got my permit in the CPRA, and... Went with Scott to to fill that Rocky Mountain house and a bunch of rodeos for barely. Wayne. Barely. I think you were left my house,
1: didn't you, one morning? Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. Made man. It to Rocky Mountain great. house.
3: That was crazy. That was long long way we were man, Even further. Even further. Shouldn't have went God. to a rock concert the night before. Was that <laughs> Ozzy
1: the night before, Jess? Or Nickelback?
3: No, it was mm. your
1: kitchen table, is what it was. We never left your place. There was no we didn't concert. even go to a concert that night. No,
0: because <laughs> no. no. Jess and I have had your some own rock concert.
1: ordeals
3: at rock concerts. Yeah, that's Aussie. right. I, I just that? assumed.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> thought I thought that
3: might have been what it
1: was. Actually,
3: man. No, apparently, apparently we didn't need a concert that night We were at the oh, concert yeah. <laughs> I but yeah, You I guys know. sat You
1: guys, when you got up there's like, there's no way we're going to make it And that was driving And then you pissed around looking for flights For, I don't know, half an hour and 45 minutes And then you kind of just shrugged your shoulders Like, I guess we'll give it a try And you guys drove it <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. And we made it, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we made it <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yeah, we did so, Scott oh, with you Always in an NFL? adventure, man
0: was Scott with you in Innisfil when you tore your knee out playing fucking hockey sack?
3: No. <laughs> no. Scott wasn't there that time. But let's okay, let's clarify, too. We're going <laughs> to just bring up random facts. Uh, oh, I got
0: lots of those.
3: <laughs> I didn't tear my... Well, I did technically finish the deal playing hockey sack, but my knee was already well buggered up. It I, I would say it was like 95% tore... And then the, the one little inside kick for the old hack and Hackensack.
2: <laughs> but then
3: I went, uh, so that happened during the day. Then I went into the office to find old Jack Danes to tell him that I was done, you know, and, and, uh, but I was all proud. I'd, you know, I'd phoned and found, I think it was Kelly Morton or somebody to come fill in. So I, I had that all taken care of. So whatever I go, I'm nervous by going to his office him the deal and oh jack i fucked up my knee i'm not going to be able to fight bulls for the rest of the week but uh don't worry. i said i'm not going to be able to go for the rest of the week but don't worry i got a guy coming in to fill in he's like wow you don't need a guy to fill in and i was like well what are you gonna do he's like well fuck it don't matter just if you're out you're out and i was like well what do you i was like well what are you gonna do jack and he's like well i don't know you're you're a fucking bareback rider aren't you no jack i'm the bullfighter you hired like so we got that sorted out but yeah there was oh god yeah those rodeos man there was there was more adventure in it uh, you know in the outside the arena as there was in it was always something so there was plenty of characters and plenty of good times but i I, guess my
1: you know you know jess you're still a divot of you and Hazar. In the arena. (laughs) Yeah. When you were uh, asking
3: about Patricia, that's what I thought you were going to talk about. So did I. So did I.
1: Oh god, I think that was the white bull or the black, the Ludicrous or No Mercy. I can't remember which one of those two. And you got behind the barrel, and it had been raining and raining, and it was just a (sighs) bog hole out there. And Jess kind of was going, you know, was working the barrel, and that barrel got away on him and went right over top of him and so did the bull and jess just laid there this spread eagle (laughs) and there was actually a divot of jess's body from the the barrel rolling over him in the arena the perfect mud angel
3: i
2: uh
3: (laughs) i yeah i remember that because i was tired man i was tired from running around out there in the mud and i was like man i'm just gonna take five behind this barrel (laughs) and then he smoked it my feet got stuck (laughs) in the ground and it's like, well, ah, I guess it's just stayed making circles out there in the middle. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I but yeah, that. I got, you know, I got through quite a few rodeos in, in a couple of years in pretty short order because of uh, TJ's career coming to an end. Basically, you know, he when he retired from working for Wayne, then uh, Wayne Vold, that is. Um, that's when my rodeo career in Canada really took off you know Wayne had the biggest run and and just a lot of great rodeos so um that's when it really got got busy for me and and uh oddly enough that's when I would kind of at the same time really started making some traction with these these bull ridings and I'd been working really hard to try and to get my way south I knew that's you know like said eventually where where I wanted to end up so um Alongside those rodeos, I picked up some bull ridings in, in the U.S., and that was all based on um, U.S. bull riders coming up to Canadian events, whether it be, you know, well, they were all mostly all produced by you, Jason, right? Like those yeah. early, early PBR events in Canada where guys like Adam and Gilbert Carrillo were coming up, um, Mark Ward. Those are all guys that, you know, I met via those events. And then in turn, they were having events of their own stateside. And um, I was fortunate enough to have guys, you know, like like Mark and Adam invite me down. And, and that's what really my first trip to the US was was to the Carrillo Ranch in Stephenville, um, to, to their that's event. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Adam. That's because Adam was at the PBR in Prince Albert. Um, yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. 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 And yeah. we signed, yeah. we signed autographs at the Dodge dealership, I think it was. The dealership PA. crossed
0: the road.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Anderson it, really, yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> exactly the one. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And that's how, that, that's how I got to know him and got you know kind of got those doors opened up and so you know I just kind of re- that you know that was an eye-opener to me there it was just like hey man if you want to go you just got you got to put the word out you know the you're not going to get invited unless you ask or you tell people that that's what you're what you're trying to accomplish so you know I started putting the word out pretty good and, and yeah Mark Ward hired me to do some of his events which which really helped me out a lot and opened some doors and uh well, you I know you some talked about prize to go-
1: events too didn't you Jess you made that one run to Jerry Nelson's events too right or was that the next spring
3: yeah no I that was like that was kind of I guess the next spring when I started um and they though it was Super Bowl events with that's right uh George Marshall, yeah, who George, uh yeah. another fellow who who helped me out a lot. And and uh I didn't know George at all, but he's you know he's a legendary producer down there that did man hundreds of events if not thousands and and uh always ran things on a on a tight budget and uh at that time Jay Doherty was was the touring pro division boss. Um mm-hmm and jay's another guy that that i met via the events in canada and uh he helped me out a lot too he you know i i showed jay that i was serious about taking this all on and and uh you know he put me in front of some people that could help and and george was one of them and jay i remember jay telling me he's like all right well just know that george is all about budgets and if if you ask for a lot of money, that means the guy you're working with isn't going to be worth much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, let's we'll find remember, the balance.
1: I remember talking about this in my garage because you were living in the city here in your apartment and you're like, yeah, but it's only going to pay this much. And I'm like, you got to go. Yeah. Like you, you know, and that was a small investment you had to make in yourself to go. And we've all done it. There's, we've all done it on this pod. Yeah. like. I I recall going to Steamboat Springs because your dad couldn't go. And I went for one weekend for Harry. And I'll tell you what it paid. Not very much to drive (laughs) to Steamboat Springs back. But it opened up. I got Colorado Springs and a few more events at Steamboat. And sometimes you got to, you know, you got to make that sacrifice. And uh, I I do remember that when you were saying, it's just like, yeah, but I'm I'm probably not going to make any money. Hotel room and all that, you know, you're leaving a little money on the table, but. I think it worked out in the long run. I kind of want to establish Jesse for, for the people that are watching you came on the scene and, and you were grinding it out and you surpassed a lot of bullfighters in Canada that had actually been doing it, you know, five years sooner than you ever came along. And I remember having a conversation with some of these bullfighters. They're like, well, how come Jesse's getting all these deals down South? How come Jesse's getting this? And I'm like, you guys don't see this kid is traveling South. He's going, you know, for very little money, he's paying his dues. And when those guys kind of realized that they maybe just sat back a little bit thinking there was no threat. It was too late. You were already long gone, you know? And, uh, I remember these guys just thinking, Hmm, I guess that's maybe what I should have been done, but that but you got to You got it. it you gotta, yeah. You got to hustle it out. And, and I shit, I see it in the, i've seen it the last 15 years even since i've been done people just it's easy for them to fucking trip on their lip over what they don't have well go get it you know and jesse you went and got it there's no question there's no it don't matter what if your last name would have been you know whatever it's you would have still figured it out and uh, you know that's what makes me real proud of what you've accomplished because you you did hustle your ass i know we've had conversations and i watched you go to work and you know you didn't you didn't take anything for granted. You worked
3: for it. So good for you. I appreciate that. it, yeah, it was, it was like, I think, you know, when I look back to is like, I, I probably, um, was blessed to be good naive at that point in my life too, where, you know, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of doubts. It was, it was just like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't let the, I didn't let the hurdles deter me. It was just like, all right, let's get this figured out and keep moving. And, and, uh, you know, I knew also at the same time that, that every time that I did get the door open or, or get an opportunity that it, that it needed to count and like that there was no messing around because I knew, you know, damn well, that, that people really remember the bad stuff and, and don't really remember the the mediocre or, or even the good so you know it was like all right you got you got your one shot here to to do what you do and and but I think you know what what really propelled me and somehow I managed to hang on to this and I don't exactly know the the answer other than like I said my dad hammering the message home in me that that it's not about me but it was always trying to find the line if this makes sense of doing everything you can, but not doing too much. And, and as a bullfighter, I feel like it's, it's really easy. Like said, said, get there. Okay. I got this door open. Now I got to shine and you're going to do all kinds of extra shit to, to prove a point or to, to get seen. And And that's the stuff that drives me crazy, man. I'm like this is, a useless waste of time and you're causing more issue than you're preventing. So yeah. to me, it's Being just a like, hero. yeah, yeah. And I, and I can see, I can see it. I can see how, you know, like said, you, you put this much pressure on on each and every opportunity, how you can turn it into something like that. But um, for me, I was able to hang on to, to that balance, I guess, in that sense, where it was just like, People will really notice when there's no wrecks, you know, and there's there's nobody out there that's needing help from sportman.
0: One time, Jesse, when you did when you did seize that opportunity in Las Vegas, your first year, getting called into the world finals as an alternate. Joe Baumgartner, Baumgartner goes down, you get called in. Zach Brown's hang up. It's it's all over the internet. You know, everybody knows about it. Um, was that kind of a career-changing moment for you, do you feel like?
3: hundred percent. Yeah, man. That was, that was the craziest year of my career. Um, it was, it was really the turning point, I guess. Um, so I get earlier in that, in that fall, I got the phone call that i have been selected for my first Canadian finals rodeo. Um, and then, as it, as it worked out that year, that it was overlapping with the, the PBR World Finals the second week. Uh, that was back when it was a two-week competition. And uh, I was sitting at home the week before the Canadian Finals rodeo, watching week one of PBR World Finals. And Joe Baumgartner went down with a broken ankle. And, uh, you know, right away, it was like the light bulb kind of went off. It was like, man, I wonder... I wonder if they'll bring the next guy in, and uh, you know, as as it worked out that year, I was going to be the next guy if there was anybody going. So, you know, the thoughts got going, and sure enough, the the next morning, I got I got the call, and and uh, man, I just I couldn't believe it. I was so excited at the same time. Then I had to to turn out essentially of the Canadian Finals Rodeo, and that was a whole mix of emotions in itself but uh you know obviously made the choice to go to vegas and yeah that was that was crazy that hang up was something that uh that i'll never forget it was just it was a blur but at the same time it, it just feels like i could remember most all of it pretty clearly even to this day just uh felt like well i remember feeling like i was about 20 feet in the air at one point yeah, and it was just okay. kind of all over the map but I was locked in good I had had the old the old hook in there and I was locked in trying to get that tail and we were all kind of draped all over that bull and we was able to get him out and um I remember like the crowd was just going crazy and uh I my hat had come off and and my hair was like all over the place and uh Cody Lambert not as
0: long as it is today
3: (laughs) <laughs> Not to, no. look half the length, and uh, Cody Lambert come over to me there, and I thought I I naively thought that he was going to give me a compliment, and, and uh, naively thought he looks he looks at me and and uh, he's like, get your fucking hat back on, your hair looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, after that, like that, after the Sunday of the finals, you know, it was it was kind of really setting home to me that, uh, you know, I was a part of this now, you it felt like I belonged there. And, and, uh, that was in big part to, to Joe and Shorty, um, and Frank, but Shorty took it upon himself. That last day was, they still had a big, a big banquet back then. Randy Bernard, he used to put on, a big old production on sunday and bring everybody together and and uh i remember sitting in that banquet and they got to the bullfighter part and uh i was sitting at the table with all the guys and dad and and uh and then they they called those guys all up for their buckles and shorty he's like get up you're coming you're coming with me and you're coming with us and then it's like what no no i don't need like you yeah, know i didn't need i don't need a buckle i only did half of it you know i wasn't here for the first week and he's like bullshit and he's like you earned it get your ass up and we went went up there and he had already talked to randy and and randy had got me a buckle and stuff so yeah and it was yeah. it was pretty cool It just like it's surreal it was nah, it, it was 13 years Hope, later you know to. to
0: you're still there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah so and I I wasn't like I wasn't scheduled to be on tour the next year because there was guys ahead of me you know so um in 2009 I guess I did probably like five or six events just based on uh guys either taking weeks off or or being injured um a few were definitely for Joe and and then uh, I ended up getting getting the finals, getting in the top top four the next year. So that from then from then on, I was part of the the regular who, bunch on tour. Who did you dust? Who did you dust out? Uh, well, I I leapfrogged a couple people, but um, I guess like the when I the year I went into full time on a tour made Joe the fourth guy. So. It was kind of like bittersweet because Joe is my, Joe is one of my heroes growing up. Uh just idolized him and the way he operated in the arena. And, yeah. and uh, man, I in just and saw. Out, I in just, and out, no show. Joe just yeah, did his job. That yeah. same, that same deal, man. I'm just taking care of business. And, and uh, yeah, he, it was just like, that was my dream. It was so cool fighting both bulls- with him. And so to have him kind of go out on the outside was a little bit bittersweet, but he was so cool about it. He's like, Oh man, I'm your, uh, I'm your number one sponsor. You should put Joe B on your shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so life, uh, life, you know, now, like we talked 13 years, you've been there since, um, mainstay on that tour going to go down as one of the best bullfighters that there's, ever been uh in the industry that's for sure but um what a lot of people don't know and and um you know what we could see on your social media and stuff is mental health is obviously a huge part of your of your life and um maybe just dig into that a little bit deeper of of how even though you're you're at the highest level and at the, the top of your game there's always those days where you need to reach out and ask for help
3: yeah for sure man uh, like a lot, a lot's changed in my life in, in the last two, three years, especially. And, um, I think like we've touched on that bullfighting was, was always my number one focus. And, uh, it, it took, it took basically my entirety. Like I had to just submerse myself in bullfighting and, you know, trying to uh, attain a goal, which, which I did. Um, but it came at a cost for sure. And, and, you know, s- such as life, but if you try and deal with that by yourself, it just gets tougher. And, and that's, you know, that's what I really come to find is, is that, um, you know, f- facing shit is, is where it's at. you know, and, and that's not really been my way outside of the arena. And it's kind of ironic that, that that's what made me so successful inside the arena. was always taking the fight to it and and then you know i'd leave the arena and do the opposite where i just want to avoid shit or pretend shit wasn't bugging me and uh you know if if you can't be honest with yourself yeah i've learned that you can't be honest with others and so you know to me that's where it started was just getting honest with myself you know like spending some time with myself. It was, it's, there's a lot, uh, there's a big difference between isolating and laying low and distracting yourself from actually spending time with yourself. Cause I did a lot of that, you know, I was like, man, I can't, I can't operate at a hundred miles an hour all day, every day. And that's what those weekends, you know, what it's like being at rodeos or bull ridings. It's like, go, 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 go yeah. hundred miles an hour. And it's people mm-hmm. coming at you all day, every day with questions and requests. And, and then you get home and it's like, fuck, I like, I need a break. A lot of the time I wasn't taking care of myself and I really <laughs> needed a break, uh, you know? And, and so I, so I just hide out. I just try and shut it all off and, and, you know, not, you know, not want to deal with shit and it just builds. And that's, you know, that's been my biggest lesson is that you can either acknowledge what you got going on and face it, or you can pretend it's not there, but I promise you from experience that when you pretend and it that shit just grows and when it shows up, it's worse than it ever was. So like, I just really try hard to not pretend With myself and be honest you know why am I doing what I'm doing it's a great question for me to ask myself all the time and and uh just kind of operate off of that and keep keep my values as what's driving me because I did a lot of like searching for something outside of me that was gonna make things better um I think we've all probably got into Positions where it's like if i just get to this point if i just get this job or just yeah. get to this level then this will get better yeah. um it, does and it was a shitty it. harsh reality that let me you know it the, what i had in mind as a was a fantasy that you know that um everything was just going to be gravy if i got to the built for a tough series on the pbr tour you know it's like yeah, yeah. I... so naive but that's that's what i believed in. and then you know it was like oh my god this isn't what i thought it was and there's kind of this this disappointment that that you know i find come with expectations in general if you're assuming that it's going to be bad it's probably going to be bad and if you're assuming it's going to be real good then you know it's maybe not going to live up to the hype so it's just like it is what it is and it's, it is what you make of it. And uh, that's what I've learned is it is I guess, you know, that the solutions in me that that I have the solution. Um, But I can't do it alone. Like said, it's just like, starts with me, but it needs to include others. And if I, you know, can be honest with myself, then I can be honest with others of where I'm at. And you know, we can talk about it because some days are shitty, man. Some days are harder Mm -hmm. than others. Um, and I, I don't care who you are. I'm I'm sure that there's days where it's like, everything's a question, you know, what am I doing? Why am I having so much hell? And if you try and pretend that that's not the case, then I feel like it's just going to lead to, to more tough days. So.
1: So I'm, think, with you, uh, I'm with you 100%. i'm with you 100 i'm with you 100 percent. well exactly. you and scott you can probably attest to this a bit too it's been a long time since i did those runs but like there was years jess you went you know in the bill for tough series you're going every week of january february march into april and then usually the middle of may you break you get up to canada then you start you know scott and i did that those runs for years you leave the house Starting Innisfail, then to Wainwright, then to Pinocchio, then into Calgary, and Morris, Madison Hat, Strathmore. Like you're not home. Mm-hmm. You were you better when you were that busy, or do you think those maybe that's when you should have had some more Jesse
3: Burn time? Um, you know, like I I think that it eventually got to a point, and that's what happened with with my rodeo career is that. Um, I wanted to take a step back. I was like, "This schedule is nuts, man!" Like I was, I was on a hundred, hundred plus flights a year, and then you know, working sixty rodeo perfs in between, and and so yeah, it was just like, "Holy Christ, when's when's the off season, boys?" But I uh, took wanted to take one or two weeks off, but then it kind of was like, "Well, I guess in my mind, the way I looked at it was." I didn't want to, I was working for committees mostly, I guess, at that point rodeoing and had developed a relationship with all of those different committees. And um, I didn't really want to tell one of them that I wasn't coming and not the other, you know, like, no, yeah, Blair, I'll come to Pinocchio, but sorry, Art, I'm not going to make it to Wainwright. It's not good enough or big enough or, you know, I just, so, so I just, I just stepped back and, and, put them all down I I didn't go to any rodeos you know I needed to to drop that and focus on um what was my main my main job and main goal and that was the PBR side of things so um that's you know that's what put a halt to my Canadian rodeo career but um I guess it was just like the bull the bullfighting was the was the thing no matter what that uh i never really i never had any doubts and i like Mm -hmm. i i knew that when i got in the arena that i was fully capable i had no doubts about my ability um and it's where i felt the most comfortable and so it's it's
1: it's, that that's that soon as you get the cleats off and you gotta, have, you know, you feel like yeah. you're obligated to have a beer with somebody, or you gotta entertain somebody.
0: Or thirty five uh, of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or but yeah. you're you're until you get on the whiskey. You're until right. you switch to whiskey. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a fucking she's rock and roll man. It is full force, right? As as much as it is. You're, you're,
1: you, and you're 100 right. People don't understand that the bullfighting was the easiest part of it all. It was easy. Yeah. You walked in, you did your job, you're in control. You knew what you had to do. You walked out. And then it was just, it was just kind of like, I like to use the word chaos. It was just, where do we go? What do we do? I was just, we here I was just so, thinking yeah. it. I was just thinking it. And sometimes <laughs> in places like enough, uh, you know, you got Pinocchio, there's usually more events happening around, you know? Uh, so it's a little more of a professional atmosphere, maybe. Then you get to Morris. Morris, Manitoba. Well, Scott, seriously, like yeah, you and I, well, we're lucky we got wives right now because of Morris, Manitoba. Well, I don't know right? about you, but bullshit. <laughs> well, I actually just I just thought I'd be a good teammate and throw my name out there because I was I know, getting phone calls from my father-in-law. Yeah. You were yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know what? but you get out there, it's I, I'll never yeah. forget waking up and Morris on a like flew out. Twilight came with me. <laughs> and we woke up on a Monday morning in that super eight and the, and the midway was coming down and there's like a tumbleweed going across the, the asphalt. And I'm like, Oh my God, obviously hungover you know, yeah. in four days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're nowhere near the airport lounge, <laughs> nowhere near it. You still got to get dressed, showered and get to the airport lounge so you can get home. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. It's such a great thing. And like we say, it's easy. Right, it is. I mean, I'm sorry. I was fortunate enough that that was easy, and that's the draw to it. It's, for lack of a better term, it's easy money. When other people from the outside looking in would be like, "Are you crazy? How can that be easy?" But um, when you do decide to set it down, I mean, it luckily it's, it was my choice. But hey, that come with with some mental struggles too. And I kind of want to go back to Jesse when. When you decided to, to quit the whole rodeo run in Canada, I was taken back as much as anybody else because it wasn't something that you really discussed with me, and that was fine. When I did call you on it, it was that simple. You said, man, I just need some time, and it all made sense to me. You know, it, it, Yeah, you just got to take a breath sometimes and, and have that little bit of an off-season, especially what people I don't think understand with you is, is the travel. Like when you're flying out of Canada south and flying home every weekend, that doubles up your job, you know, two times over. Just the time and the energy. Am I correct?
3: Yeah, and then, oh, yeah, man. And I was I was taking it to the max too. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. I, and that's how I grew up, man. It was just like that's that's what was the generation. It was just like you know, of uh, <laughs> you, you make the most out of it all and it was just like. Yeah, never. Yeah, there was no going back to the hotel to watch a movie. <laughs> no, it was no. <laughs> It was like, what are we going to do at school now? And and that it was like there was a whole, whole herd, of of guys doing it, you know. And 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 we did have we did have lots of fun and and rolled on pretty hard, but yeah, it it caught up for sure. And and just like like you are saying with uh, the like the chaos and all, and then. I guess what what really stands out to me is this balance of trying to find like a, a, a place for yourself in the chaos if that makes mm-hmm. sense where like mm-hmm. there's all this shit going on around you but you're still you know you're still taking care of you you're still doing you and you're not letting that outside influence take you away and um, you know I think about what I said and and what you just said now Scott with, me not talking to you or having that conversation prior to making that decision. And I, I think, you know, that's, to me, that's a good indicator of, you know, where I was at, at that point in my life, I, I wasn't being honest with myself. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, and that was maybe a a blip of me being honest that I needed to take a break and and doing it, but I didn't even really want to face it. I was just like, Like, just make the decision. Don't, don't go to those rodeos. But I didn't, like, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to yeah. make a deal out of it. I was just going to pretend because yeah. it was, like, I felt bad. I felt like I was failing, like, because it was, like, I shouldn't need a break. That's how I, like, that's how I live my life. It was, like, you don't need sleep. You don't need rest. Hell, you barely need to eat. Like, you just, just go. And so it was, like, yeah, it was hard for me to, to, to be honest and be like, Hey, okay, no, I, I can't do this. And I, and, uh, you know, looking back, I wasn't a hundred percent with myself or else I would have been able to, to talk to right. you about it. But, yeah. uh, well, it was that it was just like, yeah, taking a whole, whole chapter out of the book, basically, you know, like I, that's, that's what I grew up on. Um, and I had a lot of pride in, and kind of carrying that on and still, you know, being in those places that I was sheep fighting at and Mm -hmm. all that. So, yeah, it definitely, it definitely wasn't an easy decision. And I spent a lot of time missing you know, I'd get to a point where I was well-rested in Mm -hmm. July and be like, man, it'd be uh, cool (laughs) to be rodeoing a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was the right, you know, it was the right choice for me and, and, uh, yeah, I just You didn't have to worry to about that. any
0: uh didn't have to worry about any escalators at the Calgary Stampede. <laughs> That's right.
3: <laughs> you guys were, you know, complimenting me on my drive and uh it was a race and it was the first one to the bottom wins. There was no rules and I took a uh, shortcut on accident. Won. You, won. Was, you won. was definitely the first one to the bottom. <laughs> hey, what was it? You oh fell off God. the
0: escalator that was going down, but landed how many stories down? I don't know how many stories, a lot of stories down. Two and or three ran, two or three, and he landed on the ones that were coming back up. Going up. Yeah.
1: Oh, he was parked yeah. up. His, your oh back, man, that, that was you had like six six inch long escalator grooves oh, in yeah, your just, left
3: butt cheek. Like oh, unreal, man. Oh man. Unreal they're still there um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that that wasn't good i uh yeah i i drank too much that day and then uh i don't even know like honestly i don't i don't know what got us to the point where we thought we should have been racing down the escalators but i remember thinking the next day like oh that was bad but not that bad and then I went back up there and seen where I fell to where I landed, and it actually like made my stomach turn. It's like, oh my god, it is it is a wonder I'm still alive. So I try and remind myself that also every day what? that to stay away somebody's from somebody's keeping laters? you around for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger
0: things. Okay, we're gonna start wrapping up. We've held you for uh, for a really long time, and. Um, I got pages of stuff left, so we'll have to get you back to go into your, um, the whole career of the 13 years on tour. Because there's a lot of crazy cool (laughs) times, but, um, what kind of, what do you, what stands out to you as, um, of just your time on that tour, just living, living that life at the highest level, um, is there any a certain story or certain ride or a certain event that really stands out to you or, or a time of that era, what stands out to you of, of being at the highest level of your sport? Oh,
3: good. Oh, question. Well, right. there's yeah, good question. very good. Yeah, that is a good question. There's, there's a lot. Um, I think if you think about the places, I mean, like getting to, to go to New York was always a highlight of the year and just you know it was always felt like we are introducing bull riding to like this crazy big new audience of people that had never seen anything like it before and and so it was always this crossover that uh that I always had a lot of fun with there. But um you know it's it's hard to say whether it was inside the arena or outside because as you know Tanner there was always there was always guests special guests at each and every one of those events you know there's like sylvester stallone and tim mcgraw uh, i did a, a shoot tour with martha stewart one day uh just like an endless amount of of people from different walks of life that i would have never ever met cross paths with if it wasn't for the career um when you locked you know, shania
0: it, twain out of your dressing room
3: shania shania <laughs> twain yeah <laughs> like who the hell is it <laughs> oh hi shania <laughs> oh god yeah and so yeah it's just like all those you know those stories of different athletes and and getting to hear people's stories from from all sorts of walks of life and then um in the arena i've just had like the coolest fortune of of so many great bull riders like it's been like the first year I went was was Adriano's retirement year, um, so I was at his last finals. I was at uh, at Shivers's last finals, uh, McBride's last Great. finals. Yeah. Just all you know, all those guys through the different eras now that have that have come and gone, and and now you know
1: all of JB's finals you've been to. Yeah, <laughs> you and JB an are on a long career. run. <laughs>
3: And it, Yeah, and it was just constantly uh, those guys would constantly provide moments where it was just like holy shit, I, I remember just thinking like, hey, you know you'd think you'd seen, maybe seen it all or like how's it going to get better than that and they'd step up and, and do it even better the next time, so there was just crazy, a lot of crazy careers um, I, I feel like uh, Renato's ride on airtime is one yeah. that stands out to me uh as something that was crazy especially because he just used an american rope <laughs> and <Yeah>. that whole <laughs> circumstance um but uh yeah i and then the bulls like we i think about bushwhacker and being around for his whole career and that whole saga was just like crazy. Yeah. There was so, so many fans that would show up just for Bushwhacker and like all the fanfare that, that he got. And, um, I think the special, some special events stand out in my mind. We did, uh, we buck bulls in times square in New York, shut down times square two blocks and buck bowls right there.
0: Yeah, that's under a, the lights
3: yeah oh, that was pretty wicked and, and then uh we did a bulls on the beach in in manhattan beach one year that was wicked cool right on the sand and then uh some international trips i guess like brazil we went to the uh, world cup down in brazil and that was just like an unreal experience that i'll oh, that i'll never forget and uh another trip I'll never forget because of the PBR was headed up to Alaska. I know that came up. with JP's <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> I, was, I was up there in the mix of that too, man. Like crazy times, but um, it was cool too, because I, dad, you know, dad went to a lot of those things with me. Um, so we got to share in that. And then uh, Brian Rude, family friend was up in Alaska with us too. So I'll remember that forever, but honest to God, man, I know this is going to sound sappy, but the best part of my career on on tour was when you were there. It's just like having family, being able to do that whole deal with you and sharing like that whole childhood dream and just being able to, to do it together was the coolest thing that I've ever experienced. And uh, yeah, something I'm just like super grateful for. I think that was it's yeah. just uh, a wicked time in my life for sure.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, fuck, I didn't even make the list. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe 12th or 13th, I'll take even. Jesus. <laughs> no, that was fucking cool. Like you say, the childhood dreams of, of just growing up watching those even the wrangler bullfights tapes and all the videos and and uh, just that dream of one day going there and then to be able to for me i was super lucky because you'd already established yourself so when i came in everybody was already nice to me because of yeah. who you were so you know, uh, what he's saying uh, he's well, really well, it,
1: working the burn name you didn't have to tanner's really leaning on cousin scott and big They
0: still Gassi do man. motherfuckers i retired <laughs> to riding and now i'm fighting them. i'm leaning on it more than ever now <laughs>
3: <laughs> when yeah. Tanner first, it was a, we did we went through the cycle because when Tanner first came around, he was Jesse's brother, and then by the time he was been around there for five six years now, all of a sudden I was Tanner's brother. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry. Okay, uh, Scott has the infamous question of the show.
1: Well, Jesse, it's it's been so good to catch up to you again and hear your stories and. Well, the hashtag NFP, the NFP podcast, we all have our own take on it. And I really want to know what's yours. NFP.
3: Well, I actually had to explain to the lady at the Burger King drive through the other day what <laughs> NFP was, which, <laughs> which I did pause and she guessed it, if you can believe it. So, but uh, yeah, no, I guess, you know, to me, I know... Uh, Jason, I know that you, you started the NFP based on uh, guys not showing up to events. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think I just, just like to apply that to life. It's just like, you got to show up, you know, it's just that you can cut and run or you can show up and show ups where, where you win. So it does, you don't have to have the answers. You don't need to know you just need to show up and uh that's what it means to to not be a pussy to me is just fucking show up fucking a i want to say thanks though too before you finish her off though because i didn't get to really touch on like scott and jason personally but honestly both like undoubtedly both you guys helped me to no end in my career and i 100 percent would not have got to where i got without both of you so thank you very well, much you, for well i appreciate it help. buddy
1: you you got there i never considered it as help i considered it as this was the greatest this was so much fun you talked about you and tanner being able to do it right for us to be able to do it oh God, dude it was so fun i mean it was unreal let's all be honest with each other um you know if it wasn't for ryan you know we all learned enough from him We weren't going to be pussies and we weren't going to, you weren't doing it halfway or even three quarters of the way. If you wanted your dad's help or your uncle's help, there was no doubt, Jesse, you know, and Scott and Tanner, you guys were all going to make it because that's, that's how you guys were raised. And that's how I was taught. So, you know, I, I agree 100%. There, there's just one thing that I think has to happen. We all had to go into these goddamn bullfights to get her name out there. When's Tanner stepping up to the
0: plate? Uh-huh. <laughs> I got a bunch of muleys <laughs> out here I've been fighting. <laughs> no shit. Once again, thank you, Jesse Barron, for joining us on the NFP Podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. I hit the highway like a bat out of hell Spend them times Miss El Camino Real. I'm on the road. Riding bulls can make you a two-bond desperado.